Welcome to What's a Story. I'm Kim Burns, and I'm here today with author Steph Jagger, whose latest book is Everything Left to Remember. Steph, how are you? I am so good on this Tuesday, and I'm just so pleased to be here with you. So you're out on the West Coast. I am. I am on Bainbridge Island. So I'm about 35 minutes from downtown Seattle. If anyone is a Grey's Anatomy fan, it's where Derek Shepard lived. Oh, wow. So it's re- so it's really beautiful regardless, right? It is. It is. It's a beautiful place. And it really reminds me a lot of the geography and the nature that I grew up with as a as a little one um, growing up in Vancouver, Canada. It's really not too far. So it is it is the Pacific Northwest roots that I I was raised in. So I want to talk to you about this book that you've just written, uh, Everything Left to Remember, My Mother, Our Memories, and a Journey Through the Rocky Mountains. I also want to let our listeners know that you are a life coach, but you were executive trained, but we took out the executive part, I understand, right? So we're just a coach. Yeah, you know, it's funny when I when I went back to school and did a graduate degree in executive coaching, exactly that. Um I think I always knew I wasn't going to be using the skill set that I was learning inside of a corporate capacity. And I don't really even know why or how I knew that, but that is it. I I, I have kind of like transferred that skill and, and typically work with women of all different um, ages going through a multitude of different transitions in their life, personal, professional, or otherwise. Um, and, and that's exactly it. It is, I am a trained executive coach and have just removed executive. Well, I think you seem to have replaced executive with love, which I think actually travels further in a lot of these cases. Uh, I also want to mention that your first book was Unbound, a story of snow and self-discovery, which really just on its face made you sound like a complete lunatic traveling (laughs) all over the globe with your skis. And hey, I'm a big skier, but I was like, no, she did not do that. Uh, I know. a minute on what that book was about before we we talk about your present book. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, to me, the easiest way to summarize Unbound is really to think about something like Wild or Eat, Pray, Love on skis. And um, I did an endless winter. I followed winter around the world. It was really, you know, my maiden voyage in, in the world, both quite literally and archetypally. And I found the person I am now married to. I won't give the spoiler alert as to which person in the book that it is. Um, and it, and then I, you know, I ended up breaking a world record for the most vertical feet skied in a year. And, and a lot of people offer the same response that it is a, a bit of a lunatic. Like, why would you pick endless winter when you could pick endless summer? <laughs> Yeah, but I think endless summer isn't quite as daunting or challenging because mm-hmm. you're sort of lying around, whereas vertical <laughs> record set for skiing, yeah. it's, yeah. it's rather impressive. It's rather impressive. Mm-hmm. And for those of us that ski and the older we get, we say, oh, it's kind of cold out, so I'm not going. I mean, I look at it and I think, how fabulous that you did do it while you could. Yeah. Because it's not like you can run around the world doing that every day. No, no. I mean, and it took, you know, it took a solid 10 months of, of following winter. And, um, you know, I wrote a little email newsletter kind of to my friends and family at home and, and that ended up turning into the book. And, and it was really a kind of the wild galloping tale of, of me at the, at the end of my twenties and, and really finding out, you know, who I, who I was and who I was going to be as a, as a woman in the world. So it was, um, 
it, it was a fantastical adventure. And I'm, I am, I'm very glad I made, you know, the time and space and dedicated resources to that in my life earlier. On. I know we have to take advantage of things while we can, which you did. And so the segue into you being in your twenties and sort of figuring out who you were at that time, as we all know, and then we got to the next phase of our life where then we start looking around and thinking, okay, I'm X age and my parents are aging and now my responsibilities shift. And in your case, the impetus for writing your most recent book was because your mother had been diagnosed with uh, dementia or Alzheimer's or however you would like to phrase it. There's a lot of different ways to say it. Yeah, you know, underneath the 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 umbrella of dementia are many, many different types of dementia, Alzheimer's being one of them. Um, and yeah, my mother was diagnosed in, in 2015. And you know, what you said earlier of like, we've got to make time for things when we can, really also felt like the impetus for the trip with her, which ended up turning into the second book. Um, because I felt like there was a window of opportunity shortly after she was diagnosed where there was still enough of her there mentally, there was still certainly enough of her there physically, she was always a very physically active person, that I thought doing a trip into nature, doing a trip into the outdoors would be something that was not only, you know, available to her, but that was a unique opportunity to take advantage of, you know, that that would not exist a year later, even. That Although I have to say stuff, this would have been the right time to possibly consider that beach vacation. Are you right? I, was, I was laughing. I was like, oh, no, if I was taking my mother on, it would definitely be to the beach. And instead, I cannot believe you launched this unbelievable trip through Yellowstone. I mean, the places that you talk about in your book are are both astounding and mesmerizing and and how much you know territory you guys really covered. But now I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, what I what I loved about you going into the idea of the of the trip was first of all your reluctance with your siblings because nobody wanted to talk about your mother actually mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. diagnosed with that. Uh, and uh, the, the the short of all that is that you had talked about in your family that there was no candid conversation, which I think so many of us have lived through. So let's touch on that first. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, you know, inside of the family, when, when I was growing up, there was a lot of love and there was a lot of consistency and safety, which is, which was, you know, foundational and very important. And I did as a, as an emotionally sensitive human being, I did find that the language of emotions and a way of describing an internal landscape um, was oftentimes missing um, for me, specifically in the relationship with my mother. And I think that's eventually what, what drove me towards nature was like, what else can I learn from silent landscapes? Like there is much to be seen here. And, and looking back, I think, think as I was dealing with the diagnosis, as I was dealing with the grief, as I was being confronted with what I was going to lose and perhaps never have access to in regards to the emotional landscape of her, I think I was looking for something that was going to be big enough to hold us through all of that. And, you know, the only thing I can think of that's bigger than my mother is mother nature. And it felt like the most natural and obvious place to go. And And I also knew, you know, my mother, even if she didn't have words for it or kind of an emotional explanation of it, I had seen this all through growing up that she did really shift in big nature. Her energy just got more expansive, more fluid. She had, you know, when when we're in the big mountains, when we went skiing, when we went um, into the forest. And so I, I kind of knew 
that this trip would would like knock her socks off without even even though she wasn't going to remember it. Um, I thought that was an important place to go. Well, one of the uh, quotes or one of the lines that you said is nature shows us what it is on the face of its pain. And Mm -hmm. the reason I bring up that line is because you talk a lot about truth Mm -hmm. and truth is really tricky without candid conversation. And these two things we're talking about, the inter wilderness and the outer and how you had gone through your life and sort of decided that at some point, okay, well, I'm going to be X. I'm going to be this woman out there doing these things in a masculine world. Yes. And so you were forging your own path that way, but that didn't necessarily mean that was what was going on in your inner wilderness per se, because you didn't have the truth because of the lack of candid conversation. That's, that's absolutely it. You know, I think there was a lot of pain and I think this is, this is a run through, right? I think we all come from from people and families and and ourselves as individuals have pain that is sometimes hard to explain to talk about even with ourselves never mind our children. And so I I think many of those things go untalked about and silent but felt. And so I always felt like there was not necessarily secrets not necessarily lies or anything like that in my family but just a totality of my mother that I didn't have access to. And I felt at the time that, that by not having access to that, I, I wasn't sure how to find access to those same places within myself. Right, and- which I think is really interesting because I know that so many of us uh, draw a parallel between our mothers or we don't want to become our mothers, which we, you know, you talk about in the book, which yeah, is a natural, yeah. a natural thing to think. But I think that you've taken it as, uh, so many steps further than so many of us would by actually, so planning this trip, take your, uh, deciding that you're going to find out who she really is before she fades away yes. and not to give anything away, but before she fades away. So you can find out who you really are without her. That's absolutely it. I mean, that that's really w- when I went, I was looking for her and I think throughout the trip, I discovered, oh, I'm looking for me and I'm scared that without her, I won't know. I won't have that reflection of who I am back to me. And and I, and I think I was able to, in, in many ways, find both. I, I do think that there's something to honor inside of stories that, that there are parts of our stories and there are parts of pain that we are allowed to hold and keep to ourselves that, you know, I don't, I don't believe mothers owe their daughters everything. And I think that's one of the things that I, I discovered on that trip was, oh, she doesn't owe me her story. Like she, she needs to tend that she needs to keep that. She needs to heal that. However, she's going to go through that. I need to start turning and facing my story and my wounds and my pain. And and I need to go through a journey of, of, you know, where I can begin to hold those things for myself. Right. And don't you think it's so interesting that we all sort of think that way where we think we should have access to who our parents really are. And when you, the older you get, the more you realize that's kind of none of your business. Yes. And, uh, you know, and not to give away uh, the book, but your mother did have something that w- was a slightly secretive for her and she had gone through something yeah. that were very painful. And I think what you did realize along the way is that is her story to possibly keep. And but out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Her story to keep. I think there's such a beautiful delineation. I feel like it, it absolutely is her story to keep. And 
I wish that, and I hope this, this always, you know, as we move forward in life, that if the stories that we keep for ourselves, if we also have to keep shame with them, that's tough. I want us to be able to separate those things. Uh, Yeah. I think shame is literally the worst emotion that, you know, that's really usually imposed by society or some religious organization or some other hierarchy that has nothing to do with the action itself. So I, I, I think shame is terrible and people should shut it to work. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so I think that's the delineation. Like, can you, can you hold your stories in, in, in your own, you know, kind of sacred relationship to them? Right. And can you hold your story or do you feel you have to hold it because of shame? I mean, those are two very different things. I agree completely. So uh, I just want to tell everybody, I mean, I had to laugh because you guys really were like crazy adventurers. <laughs> and I mean, everything from river rafting to mm-hmm. you know, riding horses. And mm-hmm. I was so relieved when you found a cafe and had a glass of wine. I'm like, thank God. <laughs> She said she had got to go have a glass of wine right now. I was cheering for you. But uh, one thing I wanted to talk about, and, and it really is interesting for somebody, I love I love nature, not to the level that you do, or I haven't experienced it at the level sure. that you have yeah. or spent the time. I try to, but uh, there's there's one little paragraph I, I want to read here is uh, when you were, you know, you're in the mountains, you're... It, you know, it's, it's sometimes too breathtaking to even understand, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that this has been delivered to us on this earth. But uh, what you said about Mother Nature is the story doesn't lie in what's gone, but in what remains, you have to let one thing turn into something else to have to let it transform. That's erosion. If you don't, it will go. And that's erasure. And I think if you could just explain a little bit what that means to people, because it's really poignant. Yeah, I felt like, I mean, it, it is really related to what we just talked about in regards to shame. I feel like if we are holding our stories inside of, or feel we have to inside of shame, there's, there's parts of us that get erased. There's doorways to our own interiorities uh, and to our own joy and our own expansiveness that get erased. There's a very different, and, and that can be reflected in, in, you know, that metaphor of nature. There's a very different process that I think is one of transformation where, you know, can we um, alchemize? Can we metabolize? Can we integrate our pain? Can we work through it and process it to turn it into that kind of sacred energy to set ourselves free from that? And to me, that's, you know, again, going back to that line that you said is the demonstration of erosion, you know, yes, there's been shifts. Yes. Things have moved away, pulled away from maybe where they were originally. Um, but nothing has been erased in the, in the process. In fact, it's really been more transmutive and transformative. Um, and, and that was a really, I mean, I just feel like nature offers us such a mirror of our own wildness. And I, and I think one of the things that's so wonderful about going there is that there's part of it that feels sometimes familiar, even if you haven't been to a certain area before you haven't been to Yellowstone, et cetera, but it's also like fathomless at the same time. Like what you said, like you can't even describe it in words. And so that blended state, I think offers us so many metaphors with which to, you know, reflect on our own lives and kind of digest our own lives. Well, because it has such a calming effect on the soul. So you can rest your soul while you're taking it all in. So it's sort of multidimensional on the senses. 
uh, but in such a, a positive way. Now, having gone through the adventure with her uh, and you having to lose your patience because I yes. would have lost my mind trying to answer the same question 55 times in a day. But how do you think in the end, uh, and we'll start with your, your mother, how do you think this helped her or what, what sort of impact did the trip have on her in the end? Yeah, I think um, a lot of people ask that, like, like in a way of why would you take her if you knew she wasn't going to remember? And I still think it's so important, regardless of what we what anyone ends up remembering or not, Alzheimer's, dementia or not, um, to experience day after day, a felt sense of awe and wonder in our bodies is worth it. It's so healthy. It's, it's just so it's 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 worth it for our souls and our spirits. It's worth it for our physical bodies. Like what that does to experience that kind of fluidity as opposed to like bracing constriction, you know, over and over again repeated. So I really do feel like part of it was going to be just allowing her to feel really good feelings. We all want that in our lives. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, is that I, you know, I don't, I don't know enough about it, but when you are fading in the way that she was, there still must be a part of you that retains that soulful feeling or bits of memory, whether or not she remembers what town you were in, which she probably doesn't, but she remembers something about it. And it's a different kind of feeling that you may not be privy to. Absolutely. Like the felt sense of a place. I think exactly. it like imprints us, it imprints our bodies. And I, and I think that alone is worth you know, going to these beautiful places, even if you don't remember the name of them or how to describe what they look like. So, and to sort of start wrapping it up a little bit, what would you say uh, your biggest takeaway? Let's say you had a couple of takeaways. What would you describe as uh, the biggest revelation for you, aside from the fact that you knew you were doing the right thing and everybody rolled their eyes at you? (laughs) I feel like you know, the takeaway for me really had a lot to do with the definition of remembrance, you know, that going back to that idea of you don't need to necessarily remember the name of the place that you traveled. She won't remember or doesn't remember, you know, my name or that I'm her daughter, but there's a, a deeper level of remembrance that I think is available to us, not because we remember these names or these places, but because we're willing participants in you know, being shaped by love and loss and that kind of remembrance, like, how do I remember how to let life drench me and how to let life carve something out of me and how to create erosion where it needs to happen or plantation where it needs to happen. So I feel, I feel that's the biggest thing is moving into that much deeper sense of remembrance. Right. And you did say something uh, and you would go over it in different ways so that we could really get the picture on as she was fading away, who were you becoming? And I guess my question is, if that's really sort of universal for all of us, right? It's like as parents pass on, then do we really become different people without them? Do we become some, you know, a lot of, and, I, and I'm talking about healthy families without serious sure. toxic relationships, which sure. sometimes it's a relief if people are no longer present. But for others, you know, you go through the grief. And then I do think you sort of evolve in 
to the person that they've raised you to be or who you were meant to be, because it is different not having a parent mentally present or otherwise. Absolutely. I mean, I wrote about this in the book that, you know, I, I, I used to be so frustrated by the ways in which um, she she was quite quiet and wouldn't explain her inner world, et cetera, when I was growing up. And looking back, I realized, you know, oh, is it possible to view that as like her silence was her providing an expansive space for me to fill with words, a person who loves words, who loves storytelling. What a gift it is to look at it that way. Similarly, you know, with her ongoing um, decline and progression into Alzheimer's, you know, that's also what I feel in some ways is that she's creating an expanse for me to step into. Now, I get lots of choices about how I want to do that. You know, do I want to, um, you know, allow what parts of my personality to come forward? What what is the mirror basically I'm going to pick up? that maybe was the one that she couldn't hold on to any longer. And there's a lot of pain inside of that journey, obviously. And there's a lot of silver linings about, you know, questions and curiosity about the expansive space that is being provided. Right. And I think so many people, unfortunately, don't ever in their life have the opportunity to tap into that. And mm-hmm. I want to go full circle on that in saying that, and this is about your coaching practice also, is that it really just comes back to love because I'm seeing you deal with your mother. And there was just so much love in all these scenarios where I can assure you, there are many daughters who could not have done what you did, but also the conversations were so gentle and, yeah. you know, and that's really huge. And so I think that no matter how you think you're filling up the void or, or, or holding up the mirror, if you hold it up with love, then you're only going to get the best out of that person and out of you. So that's kind of it. That it, it really is. And it, it is, it, it, you know, it's so easy for us to like walk into that and be like, oh, okay, it's just love. And, and that sounds really maybe easy or ooey gooey or, you know, there's lots, but it is, it is a brave and courageous thing to do to continuously choose time and time again, and certainly it doesn't always happen, but time and time again to say, you know, is there a way of looking at this with the spirit of generosity? Is there a way of looking at this um, with love or that there's some kind of like almost soul contract, you know, involved here? And how can I, how can I take the aperture of my view and not just focus on the loss, but kind of expand it open that's what name. else is here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's really about, uh, you know, your intent. And I, I, again, I don't think everyone can do that, but if they shift perspectives and look at it from that angle, instead of any sort of blame because she was too quiet or she was this, why didn't I get that? And I think so many people do that. And then they carry that throughout their lives. And then the person goes and they're left with that instead of being left with, you know, this other, this beauty that they could be holding, which yeah. is just as simple to turn to if you, yes. if you set your mind to it. Yes. So yeah. anyway, I, I, I just thought it was a, a beautiful journey. I hope that uh, I people go out and read your book. Again, it's everything left to remember. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful piece on, um, on families. And, you know, and how we do our best. I know when you were younger, you used to sleep a lot just to sort of like figure out who you yes, were. I did. 
but we all, you know, everybody goes through their different phases. So it's, you know, and I think the honesty is fantastic. Anything else that you would uh, like our listeners to know? I just, I just feel like you've hit the nail on the head. Like what is the courage required to step into our stories with love is, 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 is it. Yeah. It is it. It is. It's everything. It's everything. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much. Uh, I'm so happy you could join us today. And I wish you luck with the with the selling of the book. I'm sure it'll be wonderful. I, I can't wait to read Unbound, although I'll be so jealous because I could sort of miss the window. I'm traveling around the world on skis. But yeah. anyway, I um I thank you so much, Steph, for joining me today. I'm Kim Burns. What's the story? <laughs>